Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. This is part three in what we're calling the glorious kingdom. There's no place like home. And when we say no place like home, what we're describing is the, the next place you're going to live. I, I, I want you to know heaven is not your home except Jesus Christ lives there. And where Jesus Christ lives, that's where your home is. Amen? You are in Christ. Don't ever forget that. The safest place you can be in this whole cosmos is in Christ. Jesus has put you in Christ. Christ has put you in Christ. The Holy Spirit's put you in Christ. The Father's put you in Christ. He put you there that you would have an everlasting eternal hope. That's where your everlasting eternal life is. Being in Christ, wherever Christ is, that's your home. But Christ told us this, that we were not to let our hearts be troubled because he was leaving. We believed in God, he said, believe also in me because I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come one day and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may also. So Jesus has been preparing a place for us and we're looking at that place in Revelation chapter 21. This is your new home. But what I want you to see from this, let's just take a look at it. Revelation 21.1, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The one we're living in right now is earth phase two. Phase one was the one that he created. Phase two is the one that is the result of the flood, the judgment that came. And phase three, this one's burned and gone. And there is a new heavens and a new earth that's coming with it. We look forward to that according to Second Peter chapter 3. All right, so he says this, that, that old one had passed away. Also he said there was no more sea, verse 2. Then I, saw John, then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Kids, this is your home. What we're looking at is your home, okay? And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, nor shall be no more pain, there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Now, I want you to get the picture. That's in this city. This is what's going on. No more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying in this city. That's what he's describing. That's your home, all right? Now, how did you get to that home? By believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, you were born again. And as soon as you were born again in your spirit, you had the promise of a resurrection that's coming to you. And there is a day coming in which Jesus Christ, the trumpet's going to sound and your body is going to be fully changed. Now, if you've already died, you're going to be in the ground. I understand that. If you already drowned or if anything that happened to you, you went back to the dust from which you were made. But get the picture. It is no problem for God to bring that dust back up with your RNA, your DNA, your complete code, bring it back together again, take your spirit, put that spirit back in that body again, and there you'll ever be with the Lord. But where you're going to live is this city. And this city, as you've seen, was coming down out of heaven in this new heavens and new earth. 
it does not come to the earth. It stays suspended over the earth. It's full of, well, we'll read in just a minute. That suspension that's right there is what's going to light the earth that's down here. Now, there are other people who are going to live on that earth. And who are they? Those are the Old Testament saints of Israel who were raised again like Psalm, or like Ezekiel 37 said they would be. That is, all those who went through the tribulation, who are going through a type of resurrection, a new body that's given to them, one that lives a long time. They're living down here. Gentiles, I got something in my eye there. Gentiles who went through that tribulation are also going to be living down here. It's not the church that's living here. The church is in the city. Ever follow that? I know that may be a new concept to you. Don't, don't let it get you, all right? That's where you're going to be, and this earth is going to be renewed. It's going to be completely different than it was. Now, kids, I don't know that that new heavens and new earth, I don't know that it's a globe anymore. Matter of fact, if I can share this with you, I don't know the physics of the new earth. I don't know how it works. I I don't know how things are suspended. I don't know how things are changed. I don't know how resurrection works. That's within the mind of Almighty God, and I'm content to let it stay there. It's clear that I don't understand a lot of things that God says very plainly. He's like, this is, this is a college professor talking to a preschooler. You follow where I'm at? That's about the way I feel many times. I love the Word of God. I love trying to, but there are things in it that I'm just saying, wow, that's beyond me. That one's one I can't get just yet. I have no doubts of it. That's not what I mean at all. But the reason I'm saying I don't know that this is a globe is that there's no night. If it's a globe and it's a turning globe, there will be day and night. But there's only day. And in this city, there's only day. Why? Because the light of the world is in that city. You are in that city with the light of the world, and you are shining as he told you long time ago, you are the light of the world. Here's the world. Here's the light. We are the light of that world. Everybody follow me? All right. Now, let me go on just a little further with you. I want to read. Uh, let's, let's take a long reading, okay? Let this one just join with me. Let's pick up verse 9. He said, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. Now, that's why I say this is the church. Why? Because the church is the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of the Lamb. So what you see suspended here, that's the church. That's what he's been building, all right? And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. 
And he, he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Whoops. If that's the case, if the length is equal to the breadth and the height is equal to it, that new city is a cube, not a, not a round thing like a moon. It's a cube. Everybody see where I'm coming from in that? All right. Let's go. He said, then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, uh, according to the measure of a man that is of, as an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. I don't even know how that works. I don't have a physics for that one either. Clear go- that pure gold, clear as glass. Wow, that's, that's pretty pure. Um, the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the fifth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, and the eleventh jacinth and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Um, Al, our song said the gates are gold. I just want to correct that. The gates are pearl, according to what this said. The streets are gold, right? Hey, stay with me, kids. You know, when, when you see I'm right, always go, yes, yes, master. Oh, never mind. Oh, forget it. All right. Now look what he goes on to say. But I saw no temple in it, for the, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So there's not that temple place, and the whole thing is a temple. This whole cube that's shining on the earth is a temple. And we'll go on further. Uh, the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. Now, when you think of this, think of the transfiguration. Remember Jesus standing on that hill? He would, it was Jesus when the, the guys were all standing there looking at him, and then all of a sudden, it's not Jesus anymore. It's this bright, bright light. That's what you're seeing here, all right? That's what this is about here. Going on further. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved walk in its light. Stop. That's why I'm telling you. It's suspended, and here on this earth, the nations who are saved. Who's that? Gentiles that came out of the tribulation, Jews that came out of the tribulation. They are now given a new life, and they're going to live on this earth. Why is this so special? Let me, let me make sure I... I repeat this several times today. This is about Israel. You are there by the blessings of Abraham, okay? This is about Israel. This whole earth, this whole new heavens and new earth, this place for them to live is about Israel. It was about Israel from the beginning, all the way in our timeline here, all the way from back here back before the foundation. Again, the Bible is the telling of the story that was before the foundation of the world. He chose Abraham. Now, before I, 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 I take you to Abraham, notice what else. He had done something with the other nations too. Think with me. 
Tower of Babel. What had happened at the Tower of Babel? He gave groups of languages and scattered everybody out. But as he scattered everybody out, Acts chapter 17 says, he gave each one a nation, a boundary, a location. That's where they're going to be. So each one of them has a location. So if there are 70 of them that got split out, each of them had a place they were to live. There is a place that was called uh, what, Australia or whatever it was. What, what, I don't even know what all names you could use. But they were named probably for the chief of that tribe. So you're going to have a land that's known as Magog. You're going to have a land that's known as Gog. You're going to have a land that's known as Japheth. You're going to have all those children who were of Noah that separated out, that were given each other. Each of them has a nation. They all were given, each one of them was given one member of the divine council to govern them to teach them how to come back to the Lord because that Tower of Babel was the great divorce. That's where he split all the nations away from him. They were separated from him. They didn't want him. And he gave them each one, one of the divine counsel to watch over them, to give them knowledge on how to get back to God. But Deuteronomy 32 says, he chose Abraham and Abraham's people and he chose for them a land to live in. And he made promises specific to them. Not to these out here. He made no promises to these out here. They all have a land that they're to live in. But he made specific promises to this group. All these out here attacked this little group. All these out here for centuries have been against this little group. You follow where I'm at? After they kowtowed to what the groups around them were, he split them out and dispersed them all over the world among all those nations and then made this promise. I will bring you back. I will bring you back to my land that I love to the place where I have put my name and you will be there and I will dwell with you and you will dwell with me and we will be together and I will bless you. I will bless your nation. I will bless your land. He made that land a very special land. It belongs to Israel. And this restoration that you're looking at, this new heavens and new earth, is about him finishing that promise that he made to them. Everybody with me? The nations around are there by God's mercy and grace, according to the promise, as he said to Abraham, and through your seed I will bless all nations. That's how the rest of the nations get to be there too. Why? Because they trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior during that tribulation period, that hard time. The church had already trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and we had a whole nother set of promises given to us. We call ourselves New Testament believers, but I'm going to share with you the new covenant wasn't made with Gentiles. The new covenant was made with Judah and Israel, the 12 tribes, 
That's who the new covenant was made with. And the carrier out of that new covenant was the Lord Jesus Christ. So this new heavens and new earth is about him fulfilling a promise to them. It's about the rest of us having, or the rest of people having a blessing because they believed in Jesus Christ. Everybody see where we're coming from in this? All right. History is important, kids. History is important. <clears throat> Notice what it says here. Uh, we'll go back to verse uh, 23. The city had no need of the sun and the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. So isn't, there isn't a um, sun and a moon. The, that's all taken care of by the Lord himself. The Lamb is its light. Now watch. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Wait a minute. They're going to be doing something on that earth? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be doing something, so hang on a minute. See, Its gates shall not be shut all the day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, but there shall by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes abomination or lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. All right. Now, let's take a look at the outline. I've given you an outline here. I'm going to go uh, uh, quickly through that because it's uh, many things that you can already know yourself. All right. Who's going to be there? I talked about that one last week, so if you'd like to find out what we talk about, who's going to be there, uh, please uh, go, go listen to last week's message. Letter B, the location and geography of the kingdom. What do we know about it? Well, for one thing, the reference point is gone. There's new heavens and new earth. I don't have a way now to tell you what that's like. Right now, we can say, well, we're in such and such galaxy of such and such constellation, and we, have, and we can sort of pinpoint ourselves because we have a reference point. But with the new heavens and the new earth, the reference point is gone. Where do you, in what galaxy? I don't even know if there's other galaxies. I don't know anything about the physics of the new heavens and new earth. You follow me? Now, I, I know this. The new heavens and new earth are themselves going to be swallowed up as Jesus fulfills the promise that he made to Israel when the last enemy is destroyed and that enemy is death, Jesus is taking that kingdom and he's delivering that kingdom to his father. I don't know if the new heavens and new earth remain. I don't know if it's all taken up into the eternity like there was before the foundation of the world. I don't know what it's like, but I know the one who knows what it's like. And I'm content to let him know what he knows. You follow me? Let's go on. There's no more sea. I'm not exactly sure how I, I want to deal with that one because I think that's saying it's all one landmass now. I, I, do, I think he's saying that because I do know this. There's water on that planet. There's water on that new heavens and new earth. And I know, well, let's just take a look at it. I'll show you. It is the liberation of all soil, flora, and fauna from the curse placed on it from sin. Um, you know, it, the ground is what was cursed back with Adam's sin. The ground was what was cursed, and now it had to do things that it hadn't done before. It was going to bring up some weeds, things, and it's going to resist people, and they're going to have to work hard to make the food come out of that ground like it was before. 
All right? So that's the liberation of that. Romans chapter 8 says that the whole earth is going to be liberated when the sons of God are called the sons of God. When we, when we come back into it, the whole earth is going to be liberated, and it's going to be um, shouting for joy. That reminded me, as I was getting these notes together, just, that song just kept coming up to me. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. There will be shouts of joy, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. That's, that, I just love that whole passage because that's the whole earth as, as if it was personal. It's now crying out to God, thank you for the final liberation. We're finally delivered. No more curse in us. That's the new earth, all right? That's the new earth. Going on further, there is a river of life. Well, you're in Revelation right now, so look at 22. Revelation 22, he said this, verse 1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. Now, I want to get two things going for you here. One, the heavenly Jerusalem is suspended above and is shining over all the stuff here. But there's also an earthly Jerusalem, too. Remember, he's got a fulfillment he's going to make to the Israelites. He promised them something, and he promised them, according to Ezekiel, like eight chapters worth, where he's saying, here is the new temple that's going to be in the new Jerusalem that's going to be on earth. And if I get the picture, it's like David is the one that's ruling there in mediation to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's uh, the Lord Jesus Christ several descendants back. There's that new Jerusalem is there. And this new Jerusalem is the one he's speaking of here in 22. There's a city, and that river of life is flowing out of that city. Let, let me go on further with you. I think you'll see what I'm talking about in just a minute. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the, what's it say? Wait a minute. The What? The nations need to be healed? Yes. They don't live in the city. They live on the earth. And Isaiah had already told us in 65 and 66, there are people who are going to have children on this earth, and they are going to die on this earth. He said an infant would die at 100 years. That's an infant. That's how long people are living during that time. You, you follow where I'm at? Can people sin on this? Yes, they can sin on the earth. There's no reason to judge with a rod of iron if everybody's not, is, is being perfect all the time. They're not. There are people who are doing wrong things, and judgment is swift. The Lord Jesus Christ judges with righteousness, and he judges not with his eyes, not with his ears alone. He knows motives. He knows hearts. Matter of fact, it's on this earth, you remember, that this Jerusalem gets surrounded at the end of the millennium with a whole bunch of people who Satan was able to rile up again and rebel against Almighty God. So there are people here who are living longer, but they are perfectly capable of sinning. Everybody follow where I'm at? Perfectly capable of it. That means also they'd be perfectly capable of being sick. Where do you go to get well? To the tree of life. 
and it's a tree of life. It says the leaves are for the healing of the nations, and it's bearing fruit every month. So you'd have people all the time coming to this river of life and picking the fruits and taking the fruits back home again, being healed, having their DNA all renewed. It's not aging now. It's staying renewed. That's a fascinating thing, isn't it? Wow. There's a lot of things I don't understand because I don't have that kind of physics. And there shall be no more curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. What's significant about they shall see His face? Because no one's seen God at any time. And here, the whole veil is removed. And you are seeing the face of God. You are in the presence of God like never before. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, nor the Lord gives them the light, and they shall reign forever and ever. All right? So there's this tree of life. Now, that you may think that's the, the one concept, a whole new concept that's coming out. Hold on. Go to Ezekiel 47. Go to Ezekiel 47. This tree of life. And being on the, in the river of life, that's not a new concept. Uh, John is giving us something that had already been stated. All right? Uh, 47, uh, 1 through 12. Let's try that. Yeah, here we go. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. Again, this is, he's been describing what this new temple looks like and, and the things that are going to go on there. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gate that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the Son of Man went out to the, uh, yeah, when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. So get the picture. He's now looking at the water. He's walking out with a, a measure, and he's measuring out 1,000 cubits from the, the origin of that river. And again, he measured 1,000. Uh, let's see. Oh, I'm sorry. And he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. So it was ankle deep for the first thousand cubits. And again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. So it's getting a little bit deeper the more it goes down. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water, and the water came up to my waist. And again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. Then when I returned, there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, enters the sea. That's why I had question marks about the sea, because it's entering some sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. Okay, so what sea am I talking about? If it's going off to the east and it's running south as well, the sea that it's going to is the sea we call the Dead Sea. It's the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea's waters are healed. They're not salt. They're not mineral anymore, okay? So the waters of the Dead Sea are healed. 
Uh, let's go on further. Let's see. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, whether, wherever the river goes, will live. So if you've got things on either side, either of those banks, everything that's going on either of those banks on either side is prospering. Uh, you can think Nile if you want to think of Nile, whatever you want to think. But this river is what's feeding everything. Doesn't that remind you so much of what we talked about earlier this, this morning? Bees shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in the sea. Everything that's planted along this river is prospering, okay? It goes on further. When it reaches the sea, I'm sorry, let's say, verse 9. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, whether the rivers go, will live. There will be great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand, in, stand by it from Engedi to Engeglam, and there will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be the same kinds of fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. The great sea is the one known as the Mediterranean Sea. So they're saying that the Sea of the Dead Sea will not only be healed, but it's going to have fish in it, and the fish that fishermen can cast. Wait a minute. Fishermen casting their net. Why would fishermen be casting their net? Because people going to eat fish. You see where we're at? That's why there's no, not much point of catching fish if you're not going to do something with them. This is not just a hobby these guys have. They are catching fish, and people are eating fish. And it's going to be pretty good fish, I would reckon, because it's coming from this river of life. Well, let's go on because I've got much more yet to cover. Look at verse 12 of this one. I shouldn't have turned away yet. Verse 12 of Ezekiel 47, where he said this, Along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine, just like John had told us in his revelation that the healing of the nations is in those leaves. So there's medicinal properties found in these trees that are along the way. Well, let's go on further. I know this, number five, there's much agrarian and pastoral life, so there must be fertile plains and valleys. We'd already seen that uh, 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 this man, this angel, had taken John up to a great high mountain where John saw all these things. So I can recognize the geography must have at least one great high mountain, and it must have uh, plains and valleys for them to grow so much good stuff in. I know that with that, the climate is perfect for peak plant and animal prosperity. They're going to be doing things like they've never done before. The ground is finally going to be able to produce exactly what it want to produce, and each of those plants are going to produce abundantly. All right? Going on further, there will be rain and seasons of some sort conducive to planting, planting, growing, and harvesting. He told all the nations, once every year, you have to show up at tabernacles. At the Feast of Tabernacles, you have to show up once every year. Now, look, if you're going to have a year, you have to have some way of demarking time, right? So once a year, you're going to come in. All the nations are coming from all around the earth, and they are to bring produce with them. This is what we have grown in our land. This is what we've grown in our land. This is what we've grown in our land. And everybody's going to come in there, and as, as it was with tabernacles, you share all your food. 
So you're getting to share with foods that you haven't seen. Maybe it was pomegranates that are only grown over here or whatever new name of whatever new fruit it is that grows. You're going to get to share in all, well, I shouldn't say you. The, the people who are living there, should they'll get to share all the kinds of foods from all around the world. This is going to be a fellowship time for all the nations and a fellowship time with God Almighty. And he made this plain statement if you, in Zechariah 14, if you don't show up, if you don't come to that Feast of Tabernacles, then I won't give you any rain on your land. Well, if there's a possibility he won't give them rain, then there must be a normal that the, he is giving them rain, Right? It's the way your crops grow. So there has to be that water that's growing, that's, that's water in there. There will be day, but no night. The heavenly Jerusalem will be the light of the earth. Jerusalem will be the world capital, and it's sitting higher in elevation than the earth around it because you're always going up to Jerusalem. So all the nations of the world are going up to Jerusalem uh, at least one time a year. Um, matter of fact, he made a statement in Isaiah that not only would they be coming up once a year, but apparently there's going to be celebrations of new moons and Sabbaths also that the nations get to come up to. Yes, there will be Sabbaths. There will be a the complete return to Torah with the exception of the sacrifices of the type that uh, are sin offerings. There'll be thank offerings. Yep. Grain offerings. Yes. There will be uh, meat offerings given as well. Yes. All that's going to be in that new heavens and new earth. You're going to be above all that, going back and forth here, ruling with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me go on to the next one. Have I got time? Yeah, let's try a little bit. The politics of the kingdom. Here's what you can know. The king is an autocrat uh, with shared leadership. The Lord Jesus Christ is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Isaiah 11. And he will rule with righteous judgment. He will rule with a rod of iron, says Psalm 2. He's going to rule. And with his rule there, he is sharing that leadership just as he's been doing. He shared the leadership, shared the, uh, the governing, the mediation, if you would, of heaven with the divine council. He shared the mediation of earth with people. He's going to share the mediation of the new heavens and the new earth with the apostles and the, the leaders that he called out of Israel. So there's going to be at least 24 of them there that are doing this leadership, shared leadership with him, and the rest of us are ruling and reigning with him. But the government is, a theoc- is theocratic, and its officers are priests. It is a legitimate theocratic kingdom ruled by Christ. Now, I'm saying that because there are people who are very concerned that Christians are trying to create a theocracy out of the United States. Christians can never create a theocracy out of the United States. Matter of fact, every theocracy that's said to be on the earth right now is not. It's not a legitimate theocracy. In Muslim territory, when it's called a theocracy, it is not a theocracy. It is a mediated group. They are doing, this this is an elite group telling you what God says, but God's presence is not there. They're not seeing Allah any place. No place is going to do that till the king comes again. That's what makes it a legitimate theocracy. You're going to be seeing God Almighty in that place. 
That's a legitimate theocracy, all right? None can exist before this one. There's no such thing as a theocracy before the kingdom of God comes on earth. There's no political opposition. You're not going to have to worry who you're going to vote for this year, what party you're going to vote for. Here, let me show you what that does. That also cuts down this, kids. No more commercials. Huh? The Lord has come. No more marketing. I don't know about you, but I get sick of marketing. I get sick of propaganda. I get sick of being told ours is the best, ours is the best, yours is the best. What? Stop. Only God is best. Everything else is a fallen thing. It's going to rot. It's going to die. You can buy a, a, a great washing machine if you want, but if you're crazy enough to think that washing machine is going to last forever, may God help you. It is not. It's going to go down. It's a part of what this physics of this world is about. I cannot even grasp what the next physics is about. I don't have a reference point for that. You follow what I'm saying? I don't have a reference point. I don't have a place I can go to and say, oh, yeah, that's this law. I don't know what the law of the new one is. But whatever this law is, there are people passing from New Jerusalem to the face of the planet without masks, without suits, without... You follow where I'm coming from? They're going back and forth. There's no pollution going on in this thing. I don't know what the physics is, that what kind of geography holds planes in... Or what kind of... Uh, uh, what is that? Gravity. What kind of gravity holds things in place? Is it a different kind of gravity? Is something new at work in this thing? I don't know what that is. But I know that travel has been really uh, changed a great deal. All right? Well, let's go on and see if we can do anything else. People are self-governing. How do I know that? Because the law of God is in their hearts. And that law and the Spirit of God are what causing people to be self-governing. They already know what's right or wrong, and because they know what's right or wrong, they're governing themselves. That was a hopeful thing that the founding fathers thought about this country. That people would be informed, their conscience would be informed by the Word of God, and because it was informed by the Word of God, they would do the right thing. So they created a constitution for a people who would be doing the right thing. Great theory. It just forgot that there's some twisted folk in this thing, like about 8 billion. And all those twisted folk can't be self-governing. They are self-centered. But that's different with this people here. This people is a self-governing people and correct themselves. And when they don't, they are corrected immediately, okay? That the, the Word of God is written in their hearts. That informs their conscience and activates their will. But they will do so by the empowering Spirit of God, okay? It's a cooperative effort. It's not just people are trying hard. No, it's people who have been born again by the Spirit of God cooperating with the Spirit of God, and that makes them self-governing people. Judgment is swift, it's righteous, and there'll, be, there'll still be sin and breaking the law on the earth, not in the uh, new, new Jerusalem. Life in the kingdom. Let's get this one. Are the animals there? Yes, yes, there are animals there. Uh, 
for, uh, Isaiah 11 speaks about the peculiarities that are happening to those animals. They're not uh, operating under the same system any longer. Why? It says the lion and the bear or the lion and the ox will all eat straw together. If you're going to be eating straw, you're going to have to change something in the anatomy, something in the whole biology of how in, ingest, the, the digestion works. You're going to have to change some things. It says that the, the uh, wolf and the lamb will lay down together, the lion and the lamb will lay down together. It says that there are going to be all those, there's no predation. There's nothing looking to kill one another there. It says that a, a little child will be able to lead a herd of cattle. Kids, that, that's a fantastic thing. Something is changing. There'll still be animal husbandry there. There'll still be gardening there, but it'll be gardening that's increasing all the time, learning all the new rules of this new heavens and new earth. Oh, my goodness. This, that's your home we're talking about, kids. This is, this is home, you know. All right. Work will be resting work, not laborious work, sweating, tiresome work. The ground will do the work for us. Think day seven of creation. Now, why am I saying that? Because uh, Hebrews chapter 4, he is telling us, I'm calling you to enter into my rest. Now, if you have entered into his rest now, living in this planet, during this age, what you've done, you've entered into knowing there is nothing you can do to earn your salvation. You rested in Christ, and because you rested in Christ, the work of Christ is what gave you life. It is not your efforts that did it. It is Christ that did it. Therefore, you are resting in Christ. Everybody following that? That's the same way our work will be done. God has blessed the earth to be fruitful and abundant. Remember back in, in, in creation when he started this thing? He blessed the ground, told it to be fruitful. It was being fruitful before people got there. And it's going to be us that are governing the waters flowing, governing all kinds, participating with that gardening as he intended in the first place. Harvesting, reaping, planting, yes, all that's still going to go on. You can read about it in uh, Zechariah. You can read about it in Joel. It's, it's all over. Well, go on further. Sabbaths, new moons, and feasts are in order and will be faithfully observed. Israel is in prime. That's what Isaiah 66 uh, says to us there. The fulfilling of the first mandate, the creation mandate, will be the way of life. Kids, if you could take history all the way back here to the beginning of the timeline, where is the rule for having nations? Not there. Listen to the first mandate. Listen to what God wanted us to do. And he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Mandate one, be fruitful and multiply. Have children. Fill the earth. That's what we're supposed to do is now take those children. They're spreading out all over all the earth. And what we're supposed to do, take the earth and manage it. We're supposed to turn that earth into another Garden of Eden all over it. And then we would have dominion over the fish, the birds, the land creatures. That's the dominion. Not over each other. No mention of anything over each other. No mention of governments. No mention of any of that. Why? Because it's going to be, in this new one, Self 
governing people who know what's right and wrong and do it. That's what it was supposed to be here. Everybody with me? So it was about management of the earth, not taking things from it and creating imaginary values to it. You dig in the ground and you start digging up this shiny thing and say, that's got value. It has so much value that God made the streets of it. You follow where I'm at? That's the value add. He's made pavement. Kids, we have changed dramatically what God called us to do. And I'm wanting you to know that back over here in the new heavens and new earth, we're going to be the managers we were supposed to be in the first place. And we're going to love it. You know? So if you're one of those that's a gardener and you love to garden, you're going to love heaven. <laughs> you're going to love the new heavens and the new earth. Amen? All right. Uh, let me go on real quickly here. Farming and animal husband would be normal. Important cities in Israel be rebuilt. I got excited about that one. Why would you want to do that? Why? But there, there is a reason for each of those cities to exist. There were some, well, more of that at another time. Important cities will be rebuilt. Spiritual life is occupied with thoughts of God and will be the motivating, empowering life, continuous, conscious awareness of the presence of the Lord. I, don't you love those days when you do have that? Th- when, when maybe you started your day in such a way that you were with the Lord and you were conscious of his presence all day long. That's what the new one is like. You're conscious of his presence all day long. There's no thought of foreign gods that will ever be entertained there. No such thing as foreign gods. You're not going to have them there at all. They're all gone. All the, that, that, that divine council is gone. There is um, the river of life will flow from Jerusalem to the Dead Sea, and its waters will be healed. There's abundance of fish are present. Fishing will be a great enterprise, and fish will be eaten. There will be multiple nations prospering along with Israel as long as they keep Torah. All right? That's your home. That's where you're going to be. That's what the future's about. So if you thought it was about sitting on a cloud and strumming harps and stuff like that, today you'll know it's not that at all. It's a completely different thing from that. It is what God said in his word, not what we tell each other in our theologies. You, You see where we're coming from? Don't be afraid of God's word, kids. Read it. See what it has to say. Love God's Word, because there's where the truth is. Not in our systems, but there's where the truth is. All right? Now, let me say this. Today, if you have yet to understand who Jesus Christ is, I hope that today you've got the understanding that Jesus is God's Son. He is God come in the flesh. And as God come in the flesh, He took your life upon Himself. He came as your representative. And as your representative, he lived a holy life before God to be well-pleasing. That's what makes it that when you're in Christ, he's seeing Christ's holy life lived out, not yours. And at that point, he took upon the sin of the whole world after he had pleased the Father with his life. And he gave his life on that cross to pay for ours. He's exchanging our sinfulness for his righteousness. He died to to take away that sin from you. 
and he gave to you in its place his righteousness. He's called on you to trust him. Because God was fully satisfied with the exchange, with the offering that Jesus gave, God raised him from the dead on the third day. He had conquered even the last enemy, death itself. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Today, three simple things. A, acknowledge you're a sinner. Acknowledge you're a sinner. Say, oops, I get it. I am woefully short of the glory of God. Number two, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, C, confess that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so much for the gift of this day. We ask in the name of Jesus that you will open our hearts continuously to the truth of who Jesus is, about what's going on, about our great hope, about the great future that's given for us. Thank you for it all, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.